Hi, and welcome to the Legal Innovation Talks podcast, where we have discussions with legal thought leaders from around the world in order to uncover the future of the legal space. I'm your host, Stephen Pulver. I'm so pleased, uh, and we are so pleased to, to welcome uh, Meyer Mechanic from Vaulty uh, to join us on Legal Innovation Talks. Um, Meyer and I have known each other for, for quite some time, um, but uh, to, to, I think, both of our excitement, uh, we both joined the Legal Innovation Zone um, with our respective companies uh, about, uh, what was it, probably 10 months apart, eight months apart uh, or so? I mean, I don't really know because you, you actually brought us in. Right. I, I had, I was doing research on accelerators and I said, okay, this is the legal innovation zone. Oh, minute. Now you were still, were you still working? So your background is uh, in banking, correct? You were still full-time then? No. So I, I started in investment banking and then wound up doing a whole bunch of work with different startups going through uh, different consulting arrangements, I guess, going through. Uh, and, and then Vaulty fell into our lap. And we so what was it that you were doing previously? Like, and I'm excited to hear the vaulty story. And I think that's part of this. I'd love yeah. to hear, hear the origins, but like even before the origin story of vaulty itself, like where did, where did this push or, or nugget in your brain of around e-signatures and around, uh, auth, you know, authentication, all that stuff. Where did that come? Where did that come from? So this, this did start way back in banking. That's where the nugget starts is, uh, I used to work in investment banking. I, I was at, you know, uh, not not a top-ranked bank by any stretch of the mean, but you'd see things where, you know, certain agreements would manage to get out of place or potential investors would know information that they had no way of knowing prior to talking to you. Um, so we started coming up with a method when I met my partner, Dimitri, about how do you ironclad a document? How could you track the breaching of a non-disclosure agreement, let's say? And we, we spent weeks and months just sitting and trying to sort of figure out this problem because it was a very cool problem to be solving. And we came up with it. We had this full-blown presentation. We were ready to go. We walked into one of the seven sisters, pitched our idea before we had anything, and they said it sucked. Uh, what what was let me stop you there for a second so we'll we'll get into what vaulty yeah. is now okay but we'll do that in a, you know as the conversation progresses what was vaulty at that point so vaulty at that point was a secure method of document storage so you'd be able to track original copies you'd be able to file stuff decentralized in a way that you could be fully secure as part of it, because we wanted this sort of tracking mechanism, we had effectively just attached QR codes to documents. So you'd be able to scan right. them, find out their origin, and then you'd be able to sort of find out the originating email address of the document. So if you were to get, let's say, an email from Bob, we'd be able to tell you that, well, Bob's email sent this document, so Bob was the one who was in breach of his NDA. Right. As part of that, we also developed a signing solution. It was a total side note. We didn't even think about it. We're just like, oh yeah, this would be an ironclad way to sign things. And that was the part that the law firm said didn't suck. Right. There and, was a, there was a, right. Okay. That that's, that's very interesting. So what about, uh, so I'm obviously interested on, on the secure document side, like what about it at that point sucked 
so much that you were willing to throw all that aside and, and go all in on, on signatures, you know, what, what was it um, at that time? Yeah, it, it was a small use case. It was a lot more expensive to do than people were probably willing to pay for it. Blockchain costs at the time, it would have cost us 12 bucks to sign a document. So if we're doing, you know, a typical M&A deal with a thousand documents, you know, no one's going to pay me twelve thousand bucks it, just in cost. So enlighten, enlighten me. Why? Why would something like that cost twelve dollars? Is that the cost of the transaction on on the chain? Yeah. So we we write our documents to blockchain or references to the to documents to blockchain, uh, and to store certain amounts of information on a blockchain costs money, right? The miners have to actually sit there and mine it. They charge you for that time. And that time gets auctioned off in an open market. So, and is that priced in? Is that priced into whatever back? Like, expl- this is interesting to me and something I, I quite honestly yeah. know nothing about. Just elaborate on this because I think it's it's very interesting. Yeah, it's it's actually fascinating for us now um, because we still store everything on a blockchain. We, we we figured out better ways to do it, but what it means compared to like your traditional cloud-based storage system is that my cost on every document is going to fluctuate because I'm going through an open market. So, you know, one day it may cost you, you know, 50 cents to put something on there. The next day it might cost you a dollar. The next day it might cost you $2. Um, So you sort of have to figure out optimal pricing. There's actually currency dynamics that go into how we think about our costs and our forecasts and everything on that. That That's interesting. And in your case, is this based on the types of documents or, or, you know, what is actually getting added to the chain or is it just literally uh, based on the moment in time that that that's being added to, to whatever ledger uh, you're using? Oh, so that's, that, that's a, let's dive deep down the rabbit hole question. Uh, I don't, I don't want to bore anybody, but um when we, um, all of our documents actually, when we write them, become the same size. So it's actually standard amount of what we call gas that we need to burn every time we go down. But right. those prices fluctuate wildly throughout the day. So if it's huh. one gas, it'll be one times whatever amount of energy we're using, one times whatever gas we're using. If it's 15 gas, it's going to be, you know, 15 times whatever amount of gas we're using. So I understand. Yeah, it's been really fascinating since the pandemic hit because gas prices have steadily gone up. Uh, and that's just been, it's actually caused us to have to rethink some stuff in the back end. So, so let's actually dig into that. So um, first off, let's give you the opportunity to give uh, kind of the high level pitch of what Vaulty is, what you do now. Uh, and then let's actually touch on on quarantine and, and COVID and, and the impacts of, of signatures <laughs> in general. Yeah, so so Vaulty is the safest way uh, to sign a digital document these days. Um, there's a lot of different types of digital signatures. Different ones have different exposures and weaknesses, uh, and different ones have different strengths. We combine all of those using some of the most innovative technologies, including blockchain, including facial recognition, including ID verification. So not only can we produce and sign a document like any of your document serv- any of your document signature services but we can actually be globally verified. And that's actually a big difference. 
So if you, let's say, notarize a document, I can then walk into the bank and the bank can say, oh, Stephen notarized it. This is Stephen. He's a notary. And he's the authority so let's take a, actually a step back for, for, for people that uh, might want to just understand what the lay of the land is around notaries. Like, tell me, tell me the lay of the land in Ontario, at least, of, of what the notary system looked like pre-pandemic. And, and let's try to tease this out a little bit. So Ontario is actually really interesting in that space because in December, Ontario passed, uh, not passed, they, they tabled a bill that was going to allow for virtual notarization and commissioning in Ontario. Um, I remember and, you combing through pieces of legislation, handwriting, marking up stuff, uh, and, and I was saying, yeah. well, what do you, what, what's going on? Um, and that, that's, I think, what you were up to, right? Yeah, I mean, we've spent three years with notarization, wills and estates sort of being our holy grail. So when it happened, we just sat there and were like, this is huge potentially. Um, and it's really cool because it takes three years of working your butt off to maybe get lucky once and we don't even know if we're lucky yet. <laughs> um, but the legislation was tabled. And then when COVID hit, they passed as an emergency, just you can do it. Go for it. Uh, go, go forth and be free. And what that caused was everybody using everything. Uh, so we had notaries calling us potentially to say, hey, can we use your software? We said, yes. We told them the pricing. They said, oh, I'll just use Zoom and a regular e-signature then. Well, that's great. But then, you know, they take their statutory declaration of possession. So they're selling a house and they go to the bank and the bank says, well, we have no way of verifying that this is real. Right. Uh, so the Wild West is open, but it, was, but it wasn't. In May, they made the law permanent, pending regulations. So right now we're in this, let's call it purgatory, while we're waiting to sort of figure out what those regulations are going to look like, what tools people are going to be able to use, and how to do this safely. Um, right. So it's a really exciting time to be us or to be anybody really. Uh, but it's, there, there's so much unknown still. Uh, right. So being safe is really key here. So, okay, so COVID hits. Um, we're talking, I mean, we're up till, till May now and, and, and it's looking like this legislation's here to say, stay. But where do you see this now progressing? I know you'd said that, uh, you know, there, these changes are now more or less permanent pending, you know, final regulations. You know, where are we a year or two from now uh, in the notary space in particular? Because I, I think there's probably a lot of people listening that, that have notarized a document, have had to deal with notarizing a document. Um, what, what can someone reasonably expect through Vaulty or otherwise in the next kind of year or so? So, so through Vaulty, what you're going to be able to expect with us is we're pending regulations and how they look. We'll, we'll be launching a digital notary seal as an additional feature. Uh, we've already sort of schemed that out, looked at how that's going to work, and that's going to work on something called a verifiable credential, uh, which is the same technology that allows for digital driver's licenses in Eastern Europe. It allows you to verify university degrees online. So the way that that would work in an ideal world is you know you would apply to be a digital notary through official document services or LSO or the MAG or wh whoever's going to 
regulate that at the time. They would give you a digital certificate. We would take the digital certificate and say, Stephen's a notary. And we would use our same sort of process to verify who you are right. every time. So, um, so, sorry, continue, please. Yeah. Um, my guess is Ontario is going to follow the lead of a lot of the U.S. states that have done it. There have been 23 U.S. states that have legalized e-notary at this point. The interesting thing is Ontario is going to be the largest economy to have done it when we do it, I think. Worldwide? Uh, not world. I don't, I don't know about worldwide. I'm pretty sure about North America. Um, wow. I mean, the big, the big ones you would think about in the U.S. are probably, you know, New York, California, Illinois. Uh, I think we might be bigger than Texas, which legalized it early, uh, but also legalized it the most lenient of anybody because Texas. I didn't know anything could be bigger than Texas. So uh, <laughs> that's that that's great. Good 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 for you. Um, now this actually brings up the perfect next point that I, that I've been thinking quite a bit about. So. Um, one of the topics that we talked about previously, you know, in, in preparation for today was, you know, about your transition from investment banking and the banking world um, into the legal space and like what assumptions turned out to be false. Um, and I think you had some pretty good insights around um, uh, assuming for, for lack of a better term, that law was one of these fields that, um, that had a concrete answer, as you said, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing your own terms that, yeah. that, that, that law had was one of these fields that had a concrete answer for the question of security, convenience, trade-offs, um, costs, all these things when it comes to, to you envisioning the, the legal sector, um, how have those types of things played out uh, now that you you're kind of more than even two feet in your, your full body into the, to the legal space? Yeah, that is, that is a big question. And, and I probably want to be a little careful here because, you know, we, we need lawyers. Um, but I think when we came in, there was no question on the trade-off between safety and cost, right? It was, we're, we're going to be able to sort of make that extra step to be a little bit safer over, you know, whatever it's going to take to, to get the deal done. And we never even questioned that early on. And then we started really looking into our customers. We started really looking at the lawyers. And no, especially, you know, in a country where, you know, 50% of the lawyers are, you know, small single service shops. No, the bottom line makes a difference. You know, that, that, that 10 bucks on a, on a document or that, you know, 1500 bucks on, you know, a, a research tool makes a difference on the bottom line. Um, and in some ways that safety choice wasn't always number one but it also had to do with the fact that when we started talking about legal tech there's such a wide variety of tech out there that it's hard to know what's good tech what's not great tech and what actually makes what is good tech what's good tech what's good tech to you i mean good tech right now I would think for a law firm is anything that builds their margins that actually serves them properly. That still takes proper care into, you know, but you could have bad tech that could do secure. that. You can have bad tech that could do that. Yeah. So, I mean, so, you, so what you is, what be... is the, what is good tech? Like what is, I think what I'm getting at is, is there's, 
there there's different providers in many different fields and some are good and some are bad some are mediocre um you know we like to think we're only associating with with the best of the best um what is good so what is good software to you good software to me is great ux that actually helps your business uh that does make things easier that in an ideal way improves something within your firm uh usually that's on margin so either that's creating more time or it's creating more profit right um and it's amazing because some of the lawyers didn't seem to understand that early on that we had talked to uh or and didn't how, understand how is, the internet security part which is even more crucial so let's talk about that in particular because i think that that's kind of the crux of the piece so and, and this is something we've noticed obviously as well um you know someone could very easily have said two or three years ago prior to tools like vaulty and and, and, and others on the market like, hey, the pen that I'm using to sign this signature page or the okay. stamp that I'm stamping is the most verifiable way I could possibly do a thing, right? Like this blue pen is, there's nothing more secure than the original signature page, right? And now we're sitting here in a, in a you know, modern COVID world and even COVID or not COVID, I think we'd all agree that this change was going to happen I think we'd all say like, maybe it would have taken another couple of years, but like this was going to happen. Would you, would you agree that, that we're seeing significant changes in like that education piece finally kind of paying off and, and, and displaying to potential users, law firms, accountants, whomever you're working with. Yeah. This is actually a million times more secure um, than, you know, whatever system they've used previously. Like, where was that triggering point in, in education? Because we've noticed this too. This is this is not just unique to you. I, I, yeah. This is what's so interesting to me that almost overnight as a result of COVID, the education was kind of forced upon people. Yeah, I mean, the way that we've sort of been saying it around, around our office recently is that legal tech has grown up about 20 years in about 20 weeks. Uh, right. And they... they, they really have because they, they needed to. Um, when we tested our product uh, last year, uh, the only time I ever had to step in on someone was there were two lawyers that uploaded, almost uploaded client IDs to Facebook uh, instead of like uploading them to a secure platform or, or something of the sort. Um, and just th that knowledge wasn't around. Um, and the models didn't necessarily support it why do I want to save 40 minutes when I'm billing by the hour? Right. And there's a lot of firms that have changed up that model in some cases uh, where they can now utilize great tech stacks to, you know, have the same bottom line, but, you know, be more efficient. And there's a lot that are very quickly learning it because they're realizing like, Oh, we may get left in the dust. Or if we really don't get left in the dust then some of these machines may actually be taking certain spots. Uh, do you think it's a, a question too of of like maybe may uh, be left in the dust? Will firms that 
Um, I certainly feel this way on our end. Um, you know, firms that aren't adopting a solution that is solving this problem, um, I, th I think almost certainly will be left in the dust. Um, I think, I think that I, I know it's a bold statement, but you know how I don't personally understand how a law firm having practice, like, you know, having practiced for several years, I don't see how a, a, a legal practitioner could not have these types of tools in their arsenal in order to deliver modern professional services to their clients. Um, because I don't think that this would fly in, in any other industry, in, in my view, at least, you know, in, in any other industry, you have to adapt. It's just legal yeah. technology has, has taken quite a, quite a bit of time to, to get to uh, where I think we all collectively in this community have wanted it to get. See, that's a really interesting point. Um, my first job, even before banking, before, before I did my master's, uh, I was in wealth management and that industry got shaken up royally. Uh, stockbrokers used to pick stocks. They used to call their clients and, you know, that's, you'd make money for retirement. And now most of your stock picking is done by machines or equity research analysts or something of the sort. Um, the value in a firm that isn't employing these tech, these tech solutions is still the relationship that they develop with the client. Correct. Absolutely. Right. At the, at the end of the day, you know, the client's looking to you for support, for advice, for everything. And if you're great at that, you'll be able to find work no matter what. Um, will you be faster if you adopt better tech solutions? Will you be more profitable potentially if you develop more tech solutions? You know, depending on the stack that you develop or adopt, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I would call it left in the dust. I think these people will still have work, uh, but I think it just becomes harder to compete on the stuff that you might not have been able to compete on otherwise. Relationships, though, I think to, to, to I completely agree with your point around the relationship between professional services provider, lawyer, accountant, whatever it might be, and, and client is, is always going to be a paramount. In fact, it should always be the paramount um, piece, what that relationship looks like delivering great value, uh, service, all that kind of stuff. But I'm not, sh I don't see a future where, where um, practitioners are not adopting these types of modern tools and still existing, even with the best relationship building possible. Like if I love my lawyer, right? And I've gotten the best service and the best advice and I'm trying to close a deal and they're requiring me to go in and get stuff notarized, I'm going to say that that's a pretty, knowing that Vaulty exists right now, yeah. or knowing that Minibox exists or whatever, whatever modern tool out there, I'm, if I'm aware of those tools as the client and I'm not seeing my professional services provider use those and they're becoming inconveniences to me on the service side and perhaps also on the cost side, um, mm -hmm. As good as that relationship is, does that are, are you able to keep the client in that case? Like, I, there's no answer. It's it's rhetorical, but no, it's it's a great question, right? Because I, I think in that case, it depends on the strength of the relationship. But also, if you're not delivering tools that make your client's life or case most efficient, 
you know, are you really offering great service, which is a different Correct. story. Um, you know, as, as the tech salesman right now, no, you should use Minutebox and Balti. Uh, but you know, as, as, you know, you said it, not me. I, I suppose I also said it previously. So yeah, no worries. As a, as a practitioner though, you know, it, it, it's, it's always hard to stay competitive and to stay on the leading edge and nobody wants to be the first person to try that new technology. Correct. Which makes it really difficult. It's so, so let's actually, I, I think it's, these are all great points and, and very live debate um, and not even debate, just, just conversations. Um, and, you know, in many ways, I think that's why we're so grateful uh, to have such a great community here with the council um, yourself and, and many others who ha have said, yeah, I'd like to contribute to the, to the future of legal innovation and come together and, and have these conversations because they're really important. Um, so, as we kind of round out uh, the chat, what we like to do is is what we call our rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Okay. Um, we really only need a couple words, a couple sentences should do. And what we'll do is wherever I've asked questions, we'll post in the show notes um, links to to whatever you might be might be referencing. Okay. Sure. So Meyer. What singular product does Valti offer that you believe is essential to law firms? Globally verifiable digital signatures and digital documents. Okay. What are your most used SaaS software on a day in, day out? Uh, I use Notion every day because that keeps everything organized for our entire firm. I use Intercom every day because it allows us to communicate with our clients in real time as they're going through our software. Where do you see Valti in the next six month, months? Uh, hopefully notarizing documents legally in Ontario. Love it. Your best moment at Vaulty so far. Oh, that's a long answer. Um, a couple weeks ago actually was the demo day for an accelerator that tossed us. Uh, they, they had said that they were, they had said that the laws that we needed to change would never change. They said they didn't believe in legal tech. Uh, how long, were, sorry, how long ago was this? So I'll, I'll tell a real story here. Um, so we were part, well, we'd of only a, want a real, real story. I mean, well, it's, like, well, it's real well. legal innovation talks. Uh, so about six months ago, we were part of an accelerator. We went up, we, we probably pitched in front of 50 potential investors and mentors. Uh, and we sat there and we had told them what we were doing and they said, the laws are never going to change. Uh, they had said legal tech is an awful industry, uh, because selling to lawyers is bad, which yeah. Um, and, and they threw us out and they had their demo day last week. Uh, and on the same day they were having their demo day, we were giving testimony in provincial parliament as to <laughs> why this law change is great. And, uh, some of the regulations we've done. So in six months we became experts on the field. Uh, whereas, you know, they thought there was nothing there. Um, so there was a nice little bit of catharsis and sort of knowing that. And I think actually that that brings the conversation full circle in in just an education piece around legal technology in general, um, and and uh, how new the variety of different problems people are solving in the space now. There, it's easy to it's easy to push aside some of these concepts and ideas um, without really getting the full grasp of how of how big the change is that that is needed across this entire industry. Um, 
And I think that that's going to catch up. I've said a lot uh, over the years that uh, real estate was like that for a long time. And we saw, we saw a bunch of um, prop tech accelerators pop up here in Toronto and around the world. And now prop tech is, is a very well-known space where people can, can hear the story of a company and, and, and determine yes or no, this is a good bet. Clearly that uh, was the wrong bet uh, six or so months ago, um, but but glad that you were able to to get up in front of Parliament and and, and speak to these things. So, as a final piece here, let's um, put you on the spot and say, uh, do we have any promotions that we can provide to people uh, that are listening for an account for Vaulty? Those that want to try out, what are the next steps? Yep. So we we actually at the beginning of COVID have started putting out promo codes every month, so lawyers can transition to work from home really easily. Uh, so if you actually want to use Vaulty for free, uh, you can go to our website, vaulty.io. There's a promo code there right now that is work from home June. Uh, that'll give you two months free on our standard plan uh, or half off of our, our pro plan. Uh, so you can start signing documents today. Um, that code is probably going to change for July, but it'll be on our website at vaulty.io. Uh, Amazing around with things and uh go from there thank you meyer that's uh that's generous and and uh thank you for supporting companies um obviously during these difficult times which i hope uh we are slowly getting out of but we will have to see how time uh time will tell so that wraps up this episode of the legal innovation talks i want to thank uh our guest meyer mechanic uh, founder of Vaulty, Vaulty.io. Uh, we'll put some pieces of info into the show notes, um, some links and, and other things like that. Uh, Meyer, I really want to thank you for joining us. Uh, any parting words as we as we get off this call? No, I mean, I, I want to thank you guys for having me. Uh, I mean, I don't think a lot of people or, or listeners may know this or they do. I'm just late to the party. But community is probably the most important thing here. Uh, when we talk about Steve, who's doing this now, even like he's the reason we're in the legal innovation zone, which is the reason we got as far as we are. Uh, I met my first client through an event you organized. Um, you know, building the community and working together hand in hand, tech and lawyers is going to be able to make us make the real changes that we need here. So stay involved, stay active. Um, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions, but also Steve as well, because this is a growing community and there's a lot of good work to be done. Awesome. Thank you for those words. It's, it's always a pleasure. Community is key. Uh, and we'll have a lot more up uh, to update our community on in the coming weeks and months uh, around the legal innovation council and beyond. So thank you, Meyer. Uh, that is that it, I should say for this episode of legal innovation talks, and we will speak soon. All right. Thanks very much.